Hazreti. Just want to check Curtis, did I give you Titus? This, this morning is going to be, it's a very christian thing to say, but this morning is going to be a little bit different to normal. People often say that, but it literally is. This is, is this a bit loud? My voice is, I'm speaking really softly. Oh, okay, very clear. Hmm? Okay. <laughs> so, Ross preached last week on, I wasn't here, I was... Andre and I were in Worcester at a wedding. You guys, some of you might know Matthew Mokel with the American guy with the big beard. Got married last week to Nadia. It was a lovely wedding. Um, I also had the privilege of doing my first ever wedding. And I was so nervous. But it went, <laughs> it went well. You got to say all the right things at the right time. And if you miss certain lines, people like, then they're not properly married. So I was like, Okay, <laughs> but it went well. But I, I wanted to follow on from what Ross preached on, because something I've been feeling strongly, I won't even say lately, probably for like the last few years, is that for myself and for us, I think we move on too quickly in our Christian walk. We move on from one meeting to the next, from one book to the next, from one podcast, from one YouTube video, from etc., etc. It's we're, we're moving so fast, and I think we overestimate our ability to really let things sink in. So I, I'm going to try lay lay down bricks this week that hopefully are going to touch on what Ross preached on last week, and hopefully even touch on what I preached on two weeks ago, because I think that's we must build wise like that. Otherwise, it's literally just a shotgun every week, shoot like 50 bullets. You're like, wow, that was a good meeting. And you can't remember anything. <laughs> and then the next week you arrive and you're like, what's next? Hey? Any conviction settling in you? We do that. We're just, we're just moving. And I, I really think we need to slow down a bit. No, I, don't, <laughs> I don't have the liberty to just start a series right now. Start a series in the privacy of your own home. Just, just say, Lord, I feel that I want you... You've really been knocking on, on this one subject for me. Maybe it's something like controlling your tongue and your speech or something like that. And you're like, I'm going to camp out there for a few weeks until I really feel like, it's like, it's like, pour, it's like watering, watering plants every day. Check up and you water and you water, you water. Does that make sense, that metaphor? It kind of does. But you're just, you're sowing that seed each day and, and, it, and it's going to transform you. So, yeah, I just called this message the power of God's word, but it's going to be interactive, activation station. So, probably preach 20, 30 minutes max. If I'm going too long, just give me a look. But I want us to do, we're either going to do some activation here, if we're feeling it's the right place, or most likely in your comms this week. You're going to take what we've spoken about and go unpack it. Okay, so let me just pray quick. Yeah, Father, I just thank you, like we sang just now, that you are our majesty. You are, yeah, you're majestic. You're so much higher, so much beyond mere man. And our best thoughts of you, Lord, still fall so far short of who you really are. And I thank you, Lord, just like those words were saying, your grace has found me just as I am. Empty-handed, but alive in your hands, Lord. I pray, Lord, that that would just hit home again this morning. Your grace has found us, Lord, every one of us here, just as we are. Empty-handed, Lord, but alive in your hands, Lord. In your hands, looked after by you. Just pray, Lord, that your word, God, would come and just minister 
this morning to us, God. May it come and build up those that need it. May it strengthen. May it come and convict. May it actually, if there are even people here, Lord, that are, like we said earlier, maybe self-deceived. They think they know you or they've signed up for Christianity or they've been in a church so many years. But I pray if they truly actually don't know you yet, Lord, that you would bring such conviction and such truth. Thank you, Lord, that it's your power and it's a demonstration of the Spirit's power this morning we rely on and not wise and persuasive human words. So we give you this morning and we give you ourselves, we give you our minds right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So do you, do you know when I was preparing this, what I was thinking of is every day, every day you, you're eating food. That's a given. That's not even, some people, Chance is a, I don't want to make her lose her rewards, but she's one of those ones that, that has the reputation of fasting for like 40 days casually here and there. Anyone else? But some of us are moaning when it's like day two of a fast. But most every single day, you are consuming food. And you know what's the interesting thing about food? Unless you've got an amazing memory, can you tell me what you ate three weeks ago on a Tuesday? Well, some of you probably eat the same thing every day, so you probably will, might even know. <laughs> You're like pro-neutro. I'm like, oh, dang. <laughs> but you can't always remember what you've eaten, right? But what did that food do for you? Is there a cat or a child meowing in this hall somewhere? Oh, it's an actual cat. Could have been either. <laughs> or was it an adult? No. <laughs> Anyways, I'll sort that out. But think of that. Think of the role, naturally speaking, of food. You're sitting here, still functioning and healthy because of the food you've been eating. It's sustaining your body. Do you remember every single meal? No. And I think that is a very helpful way to actually sometimes understanding your time with God and in His Word. It is not primarily an information exercise. You're not developing your PhD and adding to your file of like, here's all the new verses, Lord, that I learned this week. And you're adding it, you're adding it. Yes, that will happen. That's the means to the end. But what it's actually doing each day and what you really need is nourishment. You need to be fed by that word. And you're going to have some mornings where you're obviously sometimes going to feel, not feel like it. You're going to feel a lot of opposition. But I promise you, if you faithfully each day spend time in his word, you're going to feel yourself spiritually growing. And if you don't do that, you might even be feeling that right now. You, you can start feeling it in your Christian walk when you start feeling spiritually malnourished. You know what I mean? And it, it, you want to develop it so that it concerns you. You should have alarm bells going off when you start feeling. Often it can result in your thoughts become quite just the same as the world. You kind of lower a lot of your own spiritual disciplines, your own standards. For some of us, it might look like going to bed. It, it even results in things like you start becoming slack in many other areas. You go to bed much later. You're not even, you, I find I won't even care that much about what I'm eating and stuff. I, there's like a ripple effect through me. But I find when I'm spiritually healthy and nourished, there's just, there's, a, there's fruit in my life. I don't know if you can relate. I've also got a wife now, so she helps me not get unhealthy, which is great. But keep that in mind with food. Keep that, keep that thing in mind with your quiet times, that you're not primarily just here trying to gain more and more and more and more information. Okay. This book and those words are not the end in themselves. They are a means to what? To know him. Who is he? What is he like? If you're if you're stuck in the Old Testament somewhere, you're in like the book of two kings, like we were chatting about this morning, you can still open that in the morning and God can say, I want to show you this morning 
more and more of what I am like, how I deal with my people. You might read that and see, wow, God did not spare the people of Israel from the harshest discipline. He wasn't so protective of his name that he's like, I'm actually not going to discipline. He said, no, I'm actually going to discipline you and even send you into exile for the sake of my name because I've attached my name to you guys as a people. So you can see that and be like, oh, my word. God, actually, because of how much he loves you and me, might put you through some of the harshest seasons of discipline and casting off flesh and habits in you for his namesake and for his glory. And that can help you in a season you're in. So the, the first scripture, I mean, I'm preaching from scripture now, and then we're going to go into scripture with our little toolbox, okay? And see, how do we picture, picture each passage when you wake up in the morning as a tree, and you're saying, if I kind of shake this tree, what fruit is going to come off it? So you want to see, you open a passage, you're like, what is the fruit that's going to come off this thing that I can eat? It's going to be sweet to my mouth. And you know, when that happens, naturally what you want to do is you actually want to go share it with others. I find that when I taste something in here that is sweet, it's either my wife that's going to hear about it at like 10 p.m. in the bed, and she's like, ugh, like so over it and bored. <laughs> or Tuesday night, I might be with the guys together. We have a guy's Bible study. But out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth is going to speak. So what are you actually, if I had to kind of push you now and press you as a little toothpaste tube, What's going to come out of your mouth? What is so stored up in you, even from this last week? Think about this last week. Are you going to be commenting, is the first thing out your mouth going to be how well Liverpool is doing in the league? Is it going to be the war in Ukraine? Is it going to be an interview with Donald Trump and Piers Morgan? What is it going to be? Is it going to be all your Bitcoin endeavors, and how well your investments are. What's it going to be? Is it going to be your series you watched? I'm not saying all those things are evil, but I'm saying what you're feeding yourself every single day is, is, is going to result. It's going to result in a mindset. It's going to result in your speech. Amen. So I, I, I'm not even giving you a nice encouragement today. I'm saying you need to walk away today saying, I need to be eating God's word and feeding it. Not just once, nice to have, let's do a little Bible conference, let's do, let's do one night at com where we open the Bible and then we'll move on to like other things. I want you guys to be like, I need this. Even if it's a verse, that's where God's gonna start some of you. That muscle might be so weak that you download some, you ever downloaded those Bible reading plans? Some of them are intense. They're like, I want you to read a chapter from literally every book in the Bible every morning. That's how it feels sometimes. And then two days later, you're like two days behind. <laughs> and you're trying to catch up and you're like, ah. And then to play it safe, you just go back to Psalms. <laughs> That's what you normally do. <laughs> but it's, it's very, <laughs> you don't know. You're like, I want something nice, Lord. I'm stuck in like numbers or something. But for some of us, it's quality over quantity. Aim for quality. If, if we open a chapter this morning, let's say we're going later to something like uh, the book of Isaiah, chapter 55. If your aim that morning is to read that whole chapter, if on the first verse you see something that grips you, press pause, stop, and go, okay, this says... Why do you labor for that which is not bread? Why do you spend your money for that which is not food? And say, wow, Lord, you're really, con you're really speaking to me right now about a lot of things and pursuit, things I've been pursuing lately that actually, if I'm honest, don't satisfy. Wow. Press pause right there. If that is your whole quiet time, amazing. Okay. So really, it's not, it's not a university subject. Like if you go to university and you're in second year and you're doing BCom in 
what is a BCom degree? Business. I mean, that's the most vague word. Economics. If in first year you study Economics 101, and then they start the second year, and they're like, we're going to do Economics 101. You're going to be like, we've done it. That's boring. How different is the Bible? You, on some morning, is going to open a passage you've seen a thousand times. And the fact is, this thing is alive. That Economics 101 is not alive. Amen? For some of you, you might love those kind of things and you feel it is alive for you, but there is something amazing that I'm going to be opening this book when I'm hopefully like 80 years old and I'm still going to be in wonder at the most basic. I could open Matthew chapter 6, do not worry about tomorrow. Let it worry about itself. And it's going to go and hit me like, that is profound. Who wrote that? And we go, hold on, I've read that a million times. So there is something supernatural about God's word that is so different to the rest of the world. So a scripture, you can turn there, is 1 Corinthians chapter 2. start my timer. How long have I been speaking? Okay. An hour so far. <laughs> okay, I've been speaking two minutes. <laughs> so 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we'll just read from verse 9 to 14. You know, before you even go in there, just take that off quick. Do you know what I want us to see in here? If there's, if there's one thing I want you to see today is that if you are a Christian, you're not a natural person anymore. You don't do, you're not just a natural being that goes about chasing the same things the world does, consuming the same things the world does. You're of a whole different, almost like alien species right now. A heavenly species. So who was standing here this morning in worship and felt like they were receiving something from God? You, you can't even describe it. You're just like, I, I, I was receiving. It's refreshing. Because you are now a spiritual person. Capital S. Not spiritual as in like you live in Musenberg and you go to like a local like <laughs> whatever, yoga studio or something. Because that word spiritual has been hijacked. Spiritual in the Bible means that like produces like. When you were born, you were flesh. Flesh produces after itself. That's why Jesus says you must be born again. You literally now have been born of the Holy Spirit. Which means that your desires are different. What sustains you is different. Your loves have even been affected here. You now literally have religious affections in your heart for God that were not there before. So you're a different, you need to see yourself like that. You need to, because if you don't see yourself like that, it's so much more tempting to just go into each day. Maybe my little verse of the day will pop up on my notifications from my Bible app, and I'll treat it like a small thing. If you today see yourself as, I'm actually... I mustn't go into metaphor world again. I actually am someone that needs to consume different food. And when you go out into the world each day, do you know what's the problem? Do you have to intentionally each day go and say, I'm going to consume what the world is feeding me? No, you don't. The problem is the minute you are out there, you're bombarded. Bombarded with messaging. Your whole mind is being conditioned to think a certain way, to pursue certain things. You've got take-a-lot ads in your face every day saying, buy this, buy this, want me, want me, want more, want more. Don't be satisfied. You've got billboards saying, like, you are enough. So hyping you up, making you the center of your whole universe. And when you open this book each day, what it does is it puts God back at the center. 
and you're actually orbiting around him. He's not orbiting around you. He's at the center. And what that's going to do each day, it's going to align you, align you like that. So in this, this scripture, yeah, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit. Do you see the difference there? Small s. Do you see big s? That's Holy Spirit. Small s is just Spirit. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom. They're not merely natural. But we teach this by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Then it describes the person of the world, the person who is yet not born again of the Spirit, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. They're foolishness to him. And he's not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. You leave it there. Do you see as we're reading that passage, there is a line drawn, the natural person and the spiritual person. That you now, each day, have the Spirit. And do you know, what does it say the Spirit wants to give you each day? What does he want to show you? The things freely given you by God. He wants to come and lead you. You know what? When you wake up in the morning, you can even think, you know what? God, through his spirit right now, is excited to show me more things about himself. He's not just waiting to see if I put in like the right inputs. Then he's like, okay, I've got to show you something. You've done the work. God each morning is saying, you know what, Andrea? I'm excited to show you more and more. Who was it that gave that word earlier? Was it Bernard? In the prayer meeting of a, was it like a diamond? Light shining through a diamond. Like a prism. And, and there's all these different sides. And when the light shines in it, you can see all these different angles, all these different viewpoints of beauty. And that's what God wants for us. Is to see more and more of Him each day. So will you do that? Try that this week. Maybe you've been brought up in such a religious upbringing that for you to even think God is excited to meet with you is the most foreign thought. But it's true. As a parent, are you excited to give your children good gifts and to see the joy on their face? Yes. Grandparents, you done it? You see the joy in your grandchildren's face? How much more? your Father in heaven, hey? If you, in comparison to God, are evil, how much more does he delight in showing these things to us? So the, when, I was, when I was thinking about this, I, I thought the how-to of how you read the Bible, I cannot do justice to in a half an hour on a Sunday. So my hope is that today, you start feeling a want-to. I want-to. And then we can sort out the, the how, okay? But I just want you to say, okay, I actually want-to. And I, I want to have a confidence and an excitement to do it. Because the, the, God's Word is like, there's a few things here that came to mind. It gives you direction. If you're going through seasons of life where you feel like I, I, I'm directionless, I'm like a, a ship in the sea, and all around me is horizon. There's nothing to send to me. I don't even know where I am. You can open his word, and, and something as simple could come up, like the book of Proverbs you could read in the morning. It says that a man plans his steps, his little steps. And that's what you're trying each day. You're trying to plan each little step, but the Lord establishes his path. You're going, wow, just that. That hasn't even given me the answer of where I'm going yet. Eh? It doesn't solve my problem, but it's already helping me. 
in that moment, I'm going, okay, Lord, no matter what decisions I'm facing right now, maybe I'm, I'm worrying about a job or something. Maybe I'm worried about where, where am I going to work next or how am I going to be provided for? How am I going to provide for my family? Or God is saying, you just plan those steps in faith each day and you pray, you submit them to me, just one little step, daily bread. And I will, I as your God, who am stronger than you, I'm going to establish your paths. And even if there's crooked paths, I'll make them straight. You see what's interesting? You still leave that quiet time with no answer. But you're encouraged. And you're like, we can do this. Hey? So often that's how God's going to work with you. If you come into it wondering, I need to open this thing. Bible bingo it. Open in the middle. And I want to get my exact answer. Maybe you're looking for like the name of the person you're going to marry. You're like, Lord, I'm going to open this book. And then you end up on like a genealogy. And you're like, those names don't exist anymore, Lord. <laughs> Give me something. But sometimes we do that. Sometimes we, we play it almost like I want my exact answer. But I don't think God even prefers to work that way with us because he wants faith. So if, he, if I have read that morning that James... You plan your steps, but trust me, I'm going to establish your path. That requires faith, because when one step is done, he has to illuminate the next one for me. Okay, then I take that step. That's complete, utter dependence on God. Whereas if he just says, there's the destination, it's all illuminated, walk. I almost am like, cheers, God, see you at the end. He wants that faith. He wants that utter dependence on him each day. And you know what else it gives you, which is so important, and this kept coming to mind for me as I was prepping this, is it shapes your whole worldview. Your whole, do you know what I mean by worldview? Literally, imagine your, your, your glasses you are wearing. So if you put on a pair of glasses and you see the world in black and white, you put his glasses on and you're like seeing it in color, it's a whole different viewpoint. So often scripture will do that to you. You'll realize, wow, in my thinking, I'm actually drifting back to that old way of seeing everything around me. And you come into God's word and what it starts doing is you go, wow, I'm facing this situation where someone has wronged me and all I've been feeling inside of me is justice must happen. I want justice. And the world is saying, yes, seek justice. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You open his word and you land on a passage where Paul says, why not rather be defrauded? Why not suffer wrong for the sake of God's body as the church and the sake of his name? And you're going, hold on, what? That's the complete opposite of what all my worldly advisors have been telling me. And then you open the Sermon on the Mount. And he'll say, if you hate your brother... It's the same as murdering them in your heart. And you're going, but I thought the world says it's fine to hate people and kick them out of your life. You see the difference there? That's a completely different paradigm shift. It's a completely different worldview. That every day, God, is, it, what you're doing is you're like sprinkling these little seeds of truth. And it's shaping your mindset, your, your worldview. Is that making sense? Hopefully even my words are shaping your worldview right now. Because every time we preach his word, not my opinion here, his word, it comes and it cuts. It, it separates and suddenly you go in your thoughts, wow, that's darkness and that's light. I need to walk in that. I need to walk in the light. So let me do it quick. Let me just choose a passage. We'll, we'll, we'll see, we'll shake the tree, we'll see what fruit comes off it, and then we might go into giving you your own one, okay? Is that fine? Because I'm hoping that you today, I, I'm not going to put up a passage and be like, in the Greek lexicon, this word means the following. Be hey, did you want that? Because how many of you have a Greek lexicon? Oh, flip. Well, you're excluded. 
I want to make it so that the most uneducated person who simply has a Bible in front of them can still shake the tree and get fruit off it, can eat from it. Okay. So, here's a passage, and it's, it's one I mentioned earlier. Let's go to something like Isaiah chapter 55. Let's say you've been working through the book of Isaiah, and I touched on it earlier, and, and this is now a morning quiet time. So, like I said earlier, I think it is very important. You know, sometimes people say you're either like a spirit-led person or like you're a word-based person. That's a false dichotomy between the two. You've got some churches like we're word, and others like we're spirit. You know, God intends for the both of them to function together. No such thing. It's like when you try to divide Jesus into Savior and Lord. False dichotomy. You either receive the whole of him or there's none of him. So with the word, I think it is important to have structure. It is important to plan each day, that tomorrow I'm actually going to read this and it's going to follow on from there. That doesn't mean you're being like legalistic and not spirit-led, okay? I just want to free you from that. But like I said, when you open that passage in the morning, like we're going to read here, and on the first verse, the Holy Spirit just grabs you, arrests your attention, then that's being spirit-led. You stop there and you say, okay, the Lord wants to speak to me right now. And I'm going to listen. And maybe what you do is you write that verse down. It's because the more, even when you write something out, it's helping it go in. And, you, and even speak it out loud then. Maybe speak it out to yourself. And then you, what you're doing is you're basically putting food in the mouth and you're chewing. You're chewing. You're digesting that. And then write some points out. Come on. So I think it's important to make that point between this, this divide sometimes between like being a word-based, you know what I mean, word-based versus spirit-led. Because sometimes we can feel like if you have a Bible reading plan that you're guilty of not being spirit-led. That's, that's not true. And I want to free you from that. Mm. Spirit-led in the scripture. So do we, we got it. Isaiah chapter 55. I mean, I'm by no means going to do the whole chapter. So, let's say this is your chapter in the morning. You're sitting there. Who's a morning person? Well, that's like five hands. The rest of us are like miserable grumps. Who's a miserable grump in the morning? <laughs> Becoming a Christian doesn't even save you from that. I wish it did. I'm a grump in the morning, eh? Am I a grump? I feel like one. I feel this. I will take years to wake up. So, let's say you open this up. It says, let's read. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good. And delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant. My steadfast, sure love for David. So stop right there. As we've just read that, has anything already arrested you that you would stop on? What would an example be? What is something that you've just seen there that has grabbed you? What in verse 2? So what is that, what did that right now, if you were having this quiet time, what does that make you think of for your life? very true. How many people heard that? So Charlie was saying that it's, it's very tempting and stuff to like buy things, whether it's clothing or pretty things online and all of that, but 
almost by nature of those things, how they make these sites and everything, is it just, you want more. You buy, you want more. You buy, you want more. And you can relate it here. It's saying, why do you spend all your time? Why do you spend all your energy? Why do you spend all your thoughts each day for that which actually does not satisfy you and is not nourishing your spirit man inside of you? Any other thoughts? Josh? Mm. Yes. Mm. That's a great point. Also there, like look at the beginning. Josh is saying the qualification to come is what? Nothing. Emptiness. <laughs> Sometimes the thing that will disqualify you is saying, oh, look what I have to bring to you, Lord. And he's saying, no, no, I actually want you to come empty-handed. I delight in you each morning waking up and saying, Lord, the world says you got this, but I'm saying I don't got this. That's a good thing to say to yourself each morning. Opposite of self-help. Say, I don't got this. Can you do that? But don't end there. Don't go into your day at that point. Say, I don't got this, therefore God's got this. I don't have the strength for this day. Otherwise, that's blatant pride in me. So I'm going to say, the strength I need, you must provide to me. And I'm not just going to go through the motions in my quiet time, because that's part of the Christian starter pack, like have a quiet time, don't swear, read the Bible. No, I'm going to read this thing because I need it. I need strength. I don't have wisdom. You might think you have wisdom, but the wisdom you need actually has to come from him. It must come from above. James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask him without doubting, because he'll give it generously. He'll supply it to you. This, even the scripture right now, if you were reading that, can you see as you look at that, that I, you can relate that to even your own morning devotionals? What truths in here can you see that actually relate to the way you approach God each morning in your quiet time? Joss kind of just touched on one, that I can come to him each day feeling, Lord, that I'm basically like impoverished here. I've got nothing. And that can encourage me, actually, that God actually delights in that. What else could you see in here that would... The everlasting covenant that God has already promised back here to his people Israel. And David has already come and gone. David is the pinnacle of all Israel's kings. And God said, a king is going to come in the line of David. And that king has come. Jesus. So I can remind myself, I right now, in this morning, am relating to God, not by means of my little personal contract with him, where he says, sign at the bottom, T's and C's, full deposit, two and a half months. No, no. The, 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 the relational covenant I have right now is actually mediated and founded upon the King, Jesus Christ. He's the mediator between me. That, that's a good point. That suddenly makes me go, wow. That's encouraging stuff. Right. Emma? And he's like wooing us. He's drawing us. I don't know if you heard what Emma was saying, but she was saying what stands out there is the nature of God, as I see him in this passage, is he actually is drawing. He is wooing you and drawing you into his presence. And us in our busyness often, we're so, we, we so occupy ourselves with so much. I almost think of it sometimes as like 
spiritually speaking, we were like a browser with like 30 tabs open in your head half the time. And you're just toggling between these tabs. You feel like that sometimes. You're trying to like manage all of them. And it's amidst all of that living that God, like in a still small voice, is saying, come, come. And you know what? Sometimes you'll resist it. I go through seasons where the Lord will say to me, James, I want you to pack your bag again, make your little coffee flask, and you get up into Newlands Forest. And I've got a spot high up there I sit, but I will face such opposition to do that. Promise you. I'll face such opposition saying, no, I, I don't have the time. Or what's the point? Or is God, I'll think, is God even going to meet me there? There's unbelief there. There's doubt. There's, there's distraction. There's maybe I can just unpack the dishwasher and put on a preach as a second best. And God still, you wake up the next day and what do you hear? Come. Come. He's almost saying, Quiet yourself and come. But that's, I mention those points because our culture right now is so loud and noisy. It is so busy. You, you feel right now, if you look at your life, that it seems extremely busy. Your, your whole human existence, to get a lens face, is so busy. All the guys that work at Migro. It is. And you can feel hopeless sometimes. You're like, how do I get out of this little rat race I'm in? But what the encouraging thing is, you've got a father in heaven who's saying, I made you. And because I made you, you were made for me. And you're only going to be satisfied when you find your rest in me. So come, come. Yeah? Just lift, lift your voice. Yeah, and like you say, listening is actually a very active, it's not a passive thing. Because if you ever find yourself in a conversation sometimes and you're not concentrating your brain, so you check out and you're actually just hearing, and they look at your face, you're like, oh wow, sure. And they're like, are you really listening? <laughs> you can't hide. <laughs> You just say, I understand, at the end, just in case you say that. But, but listening, listening let's, let's think human-wise, listening is a very active thing. A good listener takes a lot of, they're intentionally listening, they, they hopefully can even replay what you've been saying and help you interpret it, help you grapple with it. So when, we're, when God is saying, listen to me, it's not a passive uh, just read the verse. You could even memorize the whole of this chapter and have almost zero fruit that's fallen off that tree and you've eaten of it. You just memorize the whole thing. Demons have probably memorized the whole Bible. It's probably the best tool that they have because they can just try catch you with it, wrap you up in Scripture and put you in bondage, just like Satan tried to do with Jesus in the wilderness, quoting Scripture. So what you, what you want to do is you want to like you're saying, is look at that text in front of you and say, how can I take this and not simply just get some sort of like spiritual dopamine hit from reading the Bible? How can I take what I'm reading and truly change? Either my thinking's going to change, either my behavior needs to change. There's a call to action, there's a call to repentance from what I'm reading. But don't just read it blasé. It'll be, you, your, your times with God will become dead. It'll become full of just dutiful. I'm just trying to be faithful, just trying to open the Bible. It's dead, and it's a dead work. 
you present it before God, he says, what is that? That, that stinks. I, I, God doesn't need even your quiet times. It's not like as part of your employment contract in the kingdom, he says, you need to have quiet times. The overflow of a true Christian heart should be, I want to spend time with the one who is majesty, who forever I am changed by his love. I want to spend time with him. So even if you've just gone maybe the last whole year and you've done none of this, it's not too late. You can start right now and say, I'm going to like work this muscle again. And you might have to start with one verse tomorrow morning. That's your capacity. That's where you're at right now. That's maybe where your attention span is at right now. And just eat that. Just eat that. And God will slowly start feeding you a bit more and more. There's, we won't go on, but there's even way more gold in this chapter. You might know it. It's gold. Where, where, where God later says, my ways are higher than your ways. And, like, and you're seeing, okay, wow, who, is, like, who has known the mind of the Lord? Who, has, who can search out his ways? Who, he speaks there about, I will abundantly, I will abundantly pardon your, iniqui- your iniquity. Do you guys want to do an activation? This has been activating, but do you think, do you want to do it in com this week, or are you fine if I give you a five-minute one, I'll give you a passage now, and maybe by yourself, you say, if I shake this tree, what kind of fruit is going to come off? Do you want to do that? I'm getting a massive nod from the back there. Is that nod representative of the group? Okay. So let me give you a passage. I've thrown you into the Old Testament. I'm going to throw you back into the New now. Um, So the New Testament passage I want to give you, simple one, is 1 Peter, chapter 3, and you can read from verse 8. Just take like four verses there. 1 Peter 3. Verse 8 to 12. So, what you're going to do with this passage is, during the week, I've got about four questions here that I will send to you guys, because you won't re- if I put it up now, you just won't remember it. So, some of the questions you want to ask yourself is, what does this passage tell me? Before I'm thinking about myself, because that's your default, is, what about me? Where do I fit in? You'll get, we'll get to you. What does this passage say about God? Because it's God's story. It is God's people in his way. So if you're reading that scripture, what does this say about God? What does this say about what pleases God? What pleases God or what displeases God? That's something you can think of. A good question is, is what I'm, from what I'm reading, how does this fit into the gospel? The whole good news of Jesus Christ and the the message of salvation, how does what I'm reading tie into that? That's especially helpful in the Old Testament because you can get lost in the Old Testament and think, how on earth? You've got Joshua and Canaan trying to defeat like a hundred cities here. How does this fit in? So a good question often is, how does this, where are the dotted lines from this passage to the gospel? and to the coming of Jesus. And a good one is, how can I adjust my worldview based on this passage? That is probably one of been one of my most helpful questions I ask myself, especially in this passage you're going to read. How can I adjust my worldview? Hmm? Yeah, you can just focus on that. I'll send, I'll send the questions during the week, but I don't want to over, overdose us here. So, um, so is that fine? Give you that passage. It's not in groups or anything for now. Maybe once the meeting ends, tell someone, hey, this was really standing. Even if it's just one thing. For me right now, I needed to see this. Okay. So just you by yourself. And we'll give it like five, ten minutes.
you guys can think of how is this passage maybe convicting me of something? Um, where is something even corporately amongst us that you think it's relating to? What is, it, what is it telling me about Jesus and what he's like? Because if I'm called to imitate him, where are areas actually where I need to change? Where is it encouraging you? like another minute. Keep shaking the tree. You can just stare at me if you're done. <laughs> I see a few people already. Okay, make it awkward though. Is that fine? The, you know what the good news is? You can take that scripture home with you. You can open it up, and there's still more. Do you know, you know even something small you could do there with that scripture? You know it does a bit of a quotation? So it says, verse 10, 4, and he quotes there, the Old Testament. Whoever desires to love life and see good days, you might see at the footnote of your Bible if it's open there. It might tell you where that passage is from. Psalm 34. In your quiet time, you can turn to Psalm 34 on a typical morning, and as you're looking at where that's from, you suddenly see other words. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Then maybe something jumps. Oh, I need to hear that. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And that's how your times with God can go. Before you know it, you're down another Holy Spirit rabbit hole. But that's the point of it. The point is that he would energize us, that he would literally fill us with his thoughts, his life, direct our minds to worship him. So that's just an example there. Estienne said, as, as we close off now, that I should um, encourage you guys with the testimony that happened to me. So three years, about three, four years ago, I, and many of you have heard it, I, I grew up in, in church pastor's kid every Sunday, so familiar with the Bible, um, knew like that shotgun approach, like a few verses here and there. It's like a puzzle puzzle with pieces everywhere. And then in, in about 2019, something radically changed for me. This, this one-two, read the Bible, completely changed. And what happened for me is I realized that this whole story from beginning to end, I have a place in it. It's not just an abstract thing, but all God's dealings with these people, they all culminated in Jesus. And I got really serious about Jesus. I said, okay, 
have I taken him seriously enough? And I ask myself, what do I truly believe and why do I believe it? Because I've received so much secondhand. And you're probably sitting here right now. Don't even take what I say today as just your gospel truth. You go search it out. And I got, I got serious. I said, what do I actually believe? And why do I believe it? Where's the power behind it? And that sent me on a radical journey. I, I, I ended up reading, the, the, it was this little Bible I've got here, reading it every day, often till midnight, after I would get back from work or whatever. And I was exhausted. But I felt like I, felt like I had seen in black and white for so many years. And I was reading the Bible basically just through law and performance. And half the time I just felt condemned reading it. Like, like chatting with Marty, it was like, flip, am I tithing enough? Am I obeying enough? Am I? And it would often just feel like it's crushing me. It's not really, it's not lifting me up. It just felt like a yoke on my shoulders. The thing that changed for me, is sort of from the beginning to the end, even in a passage like this, the grace of God is just shining through it. It's just these rays coming through the clouds, hitting you. And the whole, yeah, like that prism, like the light shining through the, the diamond or a prism of light. And, and it just, it, it transformed the whole way I read the Bible. Every single story that I thought I knew, I went back to. And I said, this is actually about God's doing and God's initiative with man. Not even man's initiative with God. This is God coming down and saying, James, I have saved you. I have loved you. Empty-handed you are. I've taken you for my own position, possession. You are mine. When you start dwelling on those things and you open this book, the whole thing is going to transform. So I want, I want to encourage you with that. Say, God, please, just stir up a desire in me. Stir up a hunger in me. I want to know you. I want to know you. I don't want to just eat what the world is feeding me every day. And let's encourage each other in this. We're probably going to do it in com this week, something along these lines. So let's stir one another up in this, okay? Amen. Should I pray? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's an absolute gift. Thank you that your son is the greatest gift of all. And that all these things are written concerning him. And I just pray, Lord, that you would come right now. Why don't you even just lift your hands if you want. Just say, Lord, stir up a hunger in me. Stir up a desire in me to know you, not just to know about you, not just to use you, but I want to know you. Because I was made by you, I was made for you, and my heart is going to be restless in me until I find my rest, my satisfaction, my refuge in you, Lord, I pray that you would be our sole delight. That doesn't mean we can't do an online shop every now and again, like Charlie, but I pray that you would be our sole delight, our satisfaction, and I pray each day, Lord, that you would even make us restless during our days when we haven't spent time with you. Make us restless. Make us not even be able to get through our days properly without actually coming to you, the wellspring of life, the one who gives us true bread from heaven. Yeah, amen. Okay, see you guys in the nations and in the week.